Wow. We're going to take an offering now. I'm going to ask the First Touch team to come forward as we offer up our gifts to the Lord this morning. Um, how many would testify and say this morning, the Lord is good? Amen? He's a great God. And He's blessed us in so many ways. We can't even count all the benefits of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we are always grateful for your love and mercy. And Father, for all the gifts that you've given us and bestowed on us. Thank you for our jobs and for streams of revenue that help care for our family. But we know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Father, help us to stay faithful and to be faithful to you, Christ Jesus. To your church, help us to be vibrant witnesses until you come again. Help us to be sober-minded and diligent and fervent in prayer sharing the gospel with those we come in contact with bless our friends Lord. we pray for those in the service today that maybe are not feeling well lord we pray for healing and strength to rise up lord we thank you for bringing back the sick lord you are good we bless you in jesus name amen they're going to pass baskets back for cards and gifts and i just want to tell you y'all go ahead and do that i want to go ahead and tell you uh, the other day I heard this and I went and I was telling Donna about it and then our friends rode through the same drive that we were at big restaurant called Arby's and uh, and I think he's a little insane but I admire this guy this guy lost like hundred and thirty something pounds since he started our church and he is a specimen of an athlete but he is doing something that we're going to the psychiatrist this week he is doing a hundred mile race this week next weekend glenn mcgahee would y'all pray for him yeah thank you. and that's an accomplishment in it a hundred miles that's almost four marathons isn't it i thought man glenn go he said you gonna run with me i said i'm praying how many of you want to run with glenn glenn there's no takers okay let's watch this video and we'll get into god's word together
Good morning. Man, doesn't that want you to just get up and do something? It's our time. I love that voice. Man, what a radio voice. I, I wasn't blessed with a radio voice. I was just blessed with a big mouth. But it'll work. Yes, ma'am, to you. She's our senior ranking teenager. Love you. Amen. Well, here we go. We have been in this series called Great. We've talked about great faith, great influence, great courage, and today, great purpose. And I want to talk to you today about purposeful living, how to have great purpose. Several years ago, there was a craze that it became the number two bestseller behind only the Bible. We bought cases upon cases here for this church. People upon people began to read the book. They began to study the book. We had small groups around it. Groups all across the country, all across the globe began to pick this book up. People began to hear and hear about it, and, and people were giving their lives to Jesus Christ because of this book. It had over a 1,000 scriptures in it. It was called The Purpose Driven Life by Dr. Rick Warren. It's full of the scriptures of Jesus Christ. And I remember reading that. I think I read it a couple different times. And this week, as I was thinking about purpose, I said, I just need to go and pick it back up. And I just began to read. And I began to think of some of the conversations that I've had with people in this body in small group settings and how delightful. And how people begin to entertain faith and embrace faith and begin to try to discover purpose in their life. That life was purposeless. Life was meaningless. Life was empty without Christ. I think as I was reading some of the things on it, was so many people said, man, this will become such a commentary, such a uh, Oswald Chambers for our day of this century, and it'll point people to Jesus. And let me tell you, anything that points people to Jesus, I get excited about. How about you, church? But not about a book, not about a man, about the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to talk to you today about great purpose and what does that mean and how do we discover that? How do we develop it? How do we walk in the fullness of God? The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment you know i hope and pray that you are personally fulfilled and life is good and things are going your way and sometimes they are and sometimes they're not but purpose is far greater than your personal fulfillment or your family fulfillment or your career or even your wildest dreams and ambitions purpose is what god has put in the heart of man i read this experiment that i thought was quite interesting and i want to share it with you and i think it speaks on this subject it demonstrates the difference between mere existing and the chance of living on purpose. And we draw this from an animal of the animal kingdom called a processionary caterpillar. You're like, man, you have dug low this morning. They move through the trees in long procession, one leading the others, following each with its eyes half closed and its head snugly fitted against the rear extremity of its predecessor. The French naturalist Jean-Henri Fabre, after patiently experimenting with a group of these caterpillars, finally enticed them onto the rim of a flower pot. He succeeded in getting the first one connected up with the last one, thus forming a complete circle, which started moving around in procession with neither a beginning nor an end. Fabre expected that after a while they would catch on to the joke. They would get tired of their useless march and start off in some new direction. But they did not. Instead, the living, creeping circle kept moving around the rim of the pot, around and around and around she goes, keeping the same 
relentless pace as they ran around this pot for some seven days and seven nights until exhaustion set in and starvation got them. Food was close by for these processionary caterpillars, but on the outside of the range of the circle. So the caterpillars continued around the comfortable path. People can be like that, mistaking accomplishment and movement for direction. We can follow a habit to oblivion. We can be so resistant to change that we perish. If we are going nowhere, we will get there soon. I want you to just think this morning about the caterpillar. The caterpillar has purposes, we understand that. But in this story, they did this endless, restless circle around the pot to their death. And I think it's kind of a, a metaphor, a picture for us to look at, that if we're not careful, if we don't discover purpose in God, we will have some meaningless activity around the realm of life, and we will just continue and continue and die in that meaningless activity that we call life. You're saying, man, that's kind of depressing. Well, what I think we need to do is we need to define purpose. We need to define the purpose for our life. What, what drives us? What motivates? What persuades us? What pushes us when we get up in the morning? A couple, three primary aspects that aren't in your notes, but I thought to be God's friend. We used to sing a song here, I am a friend of God. At the end of the day, I want to be God's friend. How about you? God is a friend to sinners. How many of you believe that today? <laughs> I do. And I took him up on that. I needed salvation. He made us to love us, to redeem us, to sustain us. And God has called us to himself. He also he defines us that he wants us to help others. He wants us to be his friend, but he wants us to help others. And he wants us to be involved in meaningful life as we begin to reach out. And we talk about that a lot. And sometimes we demonstrate that in some pretty good ways. And sometimes we don't. And maybe God needs to amp our game up in 2017. But the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, man, a great verse. Paul just says these words, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, not watch TV. I added not watch TV. It doesn't say that in your translation. Which God prepared in advance for us to do, these good works. And these good works are done for the benefit to honor God and to help and serve others. In this church, I see acts of service, how you love and care for one another in tangible ways. And it's a beautiful tapestry, the love of Christ. And sometimes maybe somebody could get neglected, but just this week, Eric and Julie had a beautiful little child, Emma. We get to the hospital, and inside the hospital, there's one of our elders and his wife and children, and then we come in, and others just, people just, and, and Heather had just left, and people were just coming in, coming in, coming in. And I'm just sitting there going, this is awesome. I love pastoring this church. Pastoral care happening naturally, organically, people caring for one another. And they were bringing bags and gifts and food and ornaments. No, not ornaments, that's Christmas. And Sorry, Eric. And people were just loving on the boy, celebrating the goodness of God. So we, we care for others. But then also, a defining purpose means that we influence. I talked about great influence. We influence other people because we have found life. Almost 40 years ago when I met Jesus Christ, I discovered life abundant in Jesus. And since that day, I decided that I would make a declaration, a proclamation with my mouth continually that Jesus is Lord. And the church said, 
I wanted people to know. I didn't want to keep my light under some bushel. I didn't want to be an ineffective witness for Christ. I wanted people to know the living, risen, powerful Jesus. Amen. And people have been meeting him in my midst over the years. I, I want to see more meet him in this season of life. It just seems like across America as I talk to pastors, people are not coming to Christ like they were scores or 10 years ago. I, don't, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I believe there's been a false gospel introduced to our country, and I believe a lot of people have been into that. But I tell you, the cross is the way of the Father. The gospel always includes repentance, and a lot of gospel preachers do not preach repentance. But when we repent, when we turn from sin and look to Christ and follow Christ, we're on a journey to eternal life in Christ. Amen? And that's what I'm calling you to. Note some little couch. I'm calling you to a cross. We're in Lenten season, so I think a lot about the cross. In the next series, I'm going to talk about the final words of Jesus when we, we march all the way up to Resurrection Sunday. But hey, that's for another day. So what does living on purpose mean? It means determining our own course in life because that course has been put in action, it's been put in motion by the Father working in our hearts and having purpose in Him. You know, we talked last weekend a little bit about Joshua in, in chapter 1. But you move on down to about the 24th chapter, and it says, If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, oh, come on, say it with kingdom authority. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, the Lord of heaven, the Lord that is above everything. Just a moment ago, I was talking to one of our members, Ricky. Graduated high school with Ricky, and he walked over to me, and it was neat that he shared a quick testimony. And he just said, Keith, Tracy, and I recently just celebrated 10 years of marriage. I said, praise God, Ricky. He says, I've never been happier, more fulfilled. I go, man, that's good. I like that. And God wants to be good to us, and we want to follow him. We live on purpose means we take appropriate risks. The key word's appropriate risk, not foolish, dumb risk, but we take risks that somehow will help us achieve the goals of the kingdom that God has set in our lives. Another thing is to live on purpose means that we take 100% responsibility for our own lives. Write that down there. Take responsibility for your life. I hate it when people go, man, it's all the dysfunction. I'm going, I'm looking at dysfunction. I don't do that because that's not very pastoral, but that's what I'm thinking. Okay, no, we all are dysfunctional at some point, and we can blame it on our mama, and we can blame it on our dog, and we can blame it on our teacher, and we can blame it on our neighbor. But at the end of the day, you got to look at you in the mirror and go, I take responsibility for myself. Young people, old people, in-between people, take responsibility. You know, a lot of times in our government, we don't want to take responsibility, and God wants us to, uh, though, uh, comic strip calvin and hobbs it shows this clearly calvin says nothing i do is my fault my family is dysfunctional and my parents won't empower me i go consequently i'm not self-actualized my behavior is addictive functioning and disease process of toxic codependency i need holistic healing and wellness before i will ever accept responsibility for my actions and hobbs replies one of us needs to stick his head in a bucket of ice water Calvin says, I love the culture of victimhood. Some of you are like, I don't get that. That's kind of deep. Well, here it is. Just take responsibility. You teach your kids that, don't you? 
You've got to take responsibility. Son, you're not going to get it if you don't bring your books home or bring your iPad or whatever. If you don't take responsibility and do your homework, you're probably going to get an opportunity to repeat this grade again. And your parents don't say it with great joy and enthusiasm. And you don't receive it with great enthusiasm, do you? I remember my elementary school, sixth grade, seven best years of my life. No, no, I'm just kidding. Six years. Six years was enough. But I love my school. I think I did. No, I did. Here we go. So here it is. But a lot of times we waste time whining. So let me just say to you, just write in your notes today, no whining. Just give up your whining. How many of you love to be around people that whine? Uh, translate that. I don't know what that means. It's not like a chihuahua. Anyway, the bottom line is, whining doesn't cut it. You whine. Coach, coach, I want to go in. I know, son, I've heard you a hundred times over here. Go sit down. Hey, hey, I want this. I want the promotion. I want the raise. I want a turn. I want an opportunity. Maybe your turn will come. Maybe your turn won't come. But just quit your whining, okay? Some of you are like, man, this is good. I'm going to play this for workers at my office. We live on purpose when we know who we belong to. Do you agree with that, church? When you know who has bought you, that you've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, then you have purpose. You begin to define and discover that purpose in your life. I remember when I met Jesus, I realized that scripture came true. You have been bought with a price, therefore you are not your own. You've been purchased by the precious blood of Christ. And I realized that I was a king's kid now, and I had new ownership. On my prayer walks daily, there's a part that I do. I, I do the exchange life prayer, and I also relinquish everything that I'm a part of on that walk that, Lord, I can't and you can. You never said I could. Lord, I, I relinquish control of this and this and this. One of those big relinquishments is to relinquish this church into the hands of the Almighty God. Part of the, Another one is to relinquish my marriage, to relinquish my family, to relinquish whatever I have or don't have. Just, Lord, I give up. I give you control. I like what the Apostle Paul said. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God's called us upward. He's called us to his heart. He's called us to follow him. I read this thing this week I thought was good. How do you tell if someone's purpose is to glorify God? You look for their passion. Passion and purpose go together. Write that in your notes right now passion and purpose and draw a circle around it they go hand in hand they're linked they're cousins when someone has a compelling purpose their passion is blinding their passion overwhelms their passion comes through clearly and i think god would you allow us at christ community to build authentic followers of jesus lord jesus would you allow us, in, by your grace, to build authentic leaders in the body of Christ? Meeting with our elders and our leadership team, one of the things we talk about a lot is emerging leaders, expanding leadership. We're in the process right now of trying to expand the leadership team. We have a big leadership retreat uh, opportunity coming up this spring, and we want to be the best leaders we can for this church. So pray with us that, God, you would expand. Look at the very top of your outline, the point to ponder. Living on purpose is the path to peace. If I went up down the road today and said, do you want peace? You'd go, absolutely. Where do I get it? You get it in the person of Christ. It's the path to the Father. I live on purpose. It means I have peace. And then look right there. I spelled it right out for you. Isaiah 26.3, the uh, TEV, that's the English version. Listen to this. You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their 
purpose firm, and they put their trust in you. This would be a great verse to memorize. This would be a great verse to meditate upon and say, Lord, you're my purpose. I want to be firm. I meditate. I trust in you. And then as I look at this, how do we bring glory to God? We're always asking that question as followers of Jesus. As a Christ follower, God, how does my life bring elevation and worth and honor and praise and magnification? And it's not that I can just give you one answer. It's a continual dialogue, walk, faith relationship with Christ, honoring his word, obeying his precepts, preserving his word in our hearts that we won't sin against him. But Lord, I turn my my eyes from worthless things. Lord, I turn my heart towards your commandments, towards your statutes. All this comes basically out of Psalm 119, if you want to read that section sometime. But God, I like what John Piper says. There's a quote, see if it's going to come up. John Piper will say this over and over and over, and he'll be known for this. I'm sure at his service, when he has a homegoing, a celebration when he's dead, I bet this is quoted or it'll be on the front of his bulletin. If you've ever read John Piper, tremendous orator, writer, God is most glorified in us when we are what? Most satisfied in him. Leave that on the screen. I want you to write this in your notes today. God is most glorified in us when I am most satisfied in him. When I'm satisfied in the sufficiency and the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ, God is magnified. And you're saying, man, Keith, this purpose thing, man, this is strong. Well, these are things that are, are eternal. These are things that matter. And Jesus, ultimately, he was a, a purpose-driven person. He, he came with a mission. We're going to talk about it in a minute. I'll, I'll give you very clear. But I'll give you a text, and this is an earlier one. Acts chapter 11, verse 23. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad, and he encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord that they should continue on. That was their purpose, to be steadfast, to be immovable, to walk with Christ. People with a clear-cut sense of purpose, they walk in faith. They, they have challenges, they have troubles, they have difficulties, but they keep rising up in cur- courageous faith, as we preached on last weekend. They continue to rise up, trusting God, looking to God to live for Him. Because I know this, you and I are not an accident. We were created for purpose. Before you were born, I formed you in your mother's womb. God knew. Nicholas today and Finn, the Lord's sovereign God Almighty, knew them always from the beginning, the foundations of the world. And he formed them before, or he formed them in their mother's womb, and he knew them, and he knows their days, and their days are ordained, just as our days. God knows exactly how many days you're going to get off this planet with. And some of you are like, how do you pray for that prayer? I'd like to get that answer. I don't think God's going to tell you how many days you're going to live, but he says live the day with purpose and live it for the glory of Christ. Uh, Just some thoughts here. I'm I'm putting them out here. You're created to know God, to have close relationship, uh, to be born again, to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. You're created for God's glory, and that's our chief end of man, 
the purpose of, is to glorify God forever and ever. And I just, I talk about his glory a lot, but it's really the gospel. And God just wants you and I to honor him, to magnify, to make him bigger, to make us smaller, that we decrease, that Christ increases, that Christ gets more honor, that God gets more esteem by our life, by the consistency, by the faithfulness. But at the end of the day, when we fail, God is faithful. His love is unsearchable. And God rises and picks us back up because when we stumble, God doesn't say, down, boy. Don't ever get back up and call me again. He's a gracious God. He's full of compassions and mercies. Lamentation says they are new every morning. Even today when time changed, they were new. They just didn't feel new today, right? One purpose here is to praise, to worship God, to grow in his character, to produce fruit. But I love this one. One is that we're created to spread the gospel. Psalm 96.3. One purpose in life is to tell others about Jesus. Declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous deeds among all the peoples. You know, that's what we've been doing as a church for 21 years. We have been going and sending and supporting and praying and believing for the nations for Jesus Christ that his glory might fill the earth and that we would be an outpost at Ryan Road that would join outposts across the city, across the state, across the nation, across the nations, that Jesus Christ would be exalted above everything on this earth. And the church said, I'm a part of that. Man, we exalt Christ. We make disciples of the nations. We go, we develop our gifts. Just write down Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. It's all about deployment of your spiritual gifts and deploying the things that God has put in you. If you want to find purpose, you begin to activate the gifts, the spiritual gifts in your life, and Christ is honored. And you don't do that, then you miss the purpose of God. Exodus 9, 16, write this down. God has a purpose for everyone. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Have you ever thought about it? God's raising you and me up for a specific purpose. There's purposes, plural, but then I think every one of us has a specific purpose that we bring something to the table of grace, and by grace we're kept there. And when we share our purposes to how God has shaped, how God has framed, how God has formed us, those purposes brought in with other purposes somehow make up the huge purpose of the kingdom of God, and we honor him. And I'm saying, God, just do something new here. But let's look at these truths here. I've listed five. I'm going to give you six. How's that? Just truths on the purpose of God. Number one, God's purpose. God's purpose can't be undone. Job 42, 2. I love this verse. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Nothing, God. Your purposes will be done. With me, without me, your purpose will be done. Do you believe that today, church? That God's purpose will prevail? That God's purpose is bigger than you? And where it says, what door God has shut, no man can open. What door God has opened, no man can shut. But we just had to, we need to take courage this morning and go, God, your purposes will be done. And I'd rather you do them through me that I'm willingly say, Lord, I'm the clay, you're the potter. Lord, form me, fashion me after you. Lord, honor yourself. The second one is this. Look at God's purpose is one that lasts. In Proverbs, the, the 19th chapter the 21st verse, it says this. It's going to come up on the screen. Many are the plans in a person's heart. We got many, don't we? But the Lord's, it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You see, you and I, right now, if we're real honest, how many of you are making plans for something? Just raise your hand. I'm making plans for stuff. You've been making plans. Raise your hand. I want to say everybody's making plans. 
I mean, that's good, and I think we should be prepared, and we should make plans, but ultimately, whose plans trumps whose plans? Whose plans, whose purposes prevails over your plan? God's. It doesn't mean, oh, man, pastor just built a case, man. Just start winging it. Hey, mama, don't worry about it. You know, I ain't passing algebra. That's all good. No, you're just dumb. That's not good. Okay. You need to work at it. You're not doing this. But God's purpose, it, it just sometimes we go, but God, this is my plan. I've taken plans to Father and say, God, here's my plan. This is what I'm going to do. And I think he laughs. Like, really? We say how that's working for you. Because God's purpose, it's bigger than you or me. It's better. It's eternal. It brings honor to the Father. And I'm just wondering where you're at in this purpose thing, a purpose that lasts in the life of men and women. And every person's born with a purpose. Listen to Proverbs 25. The purposes of a, per a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insights draws them out. You're in close proximity. You're in discipleship. You're in relationship with other believers that are as strong as you or stronger than you. And they begin to counsel and draw out that you might discover the purpose of God. Look at the third one. God fulfills his purpose for believers. I love this. It comes from the Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do you believe God's at work this morning in your heart? Do you believe God's working in your heart today? Do you believe God's working in your heart? Yes. Amen. Well, say like you mean it, like, I reckon, I'm hoping. That's pitiful. No, I know, I know my Redeemer lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I have a friend, and I remember one time I asked him, he said he got to go to, no, this is going to date me, and I know some of you are like, oh my goodness. But Bill Gaither, and all the older people, oh, Bill Gaither, he sits, he sits with Jesus. Everybody else is like, Bill Gaither, okay, all right. Well, Bill Gaither, he was on the farm with him one day, and him and Bill were taking a walk, and Bill looked over at the tree. He said, see that tree right there? He goes, yeah, it's just a tree. He goes, no, that's where I wrote the song, Because He Lives. And that guy just went over here and stood up under the tree the rest of the time because he knew it was anointed, okay? All I know is God lives. Salvation to impart. How do I know? Because I know he lives what? Within my heart. Man, I want you confident when you walk out of here. I know Christ. I know the risen Christ. Christ is mine for the nations. Christ is mine for my school. Christ is mine for my home. Christ is my Lord. There's no greater purpose for him than him. Fourth, God works through all situations to fulfill his purpose. Do you believe that? Well, I do. Because it's a great verse. Now, there's times that it's hard to hear this verse, but it's a simple verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things that God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God is working. Right now, in the most difficult situation you're in, God is not absent. He is present. God is not against you. God is for you. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves you and died for you. And I'm saying, God, I, I've got to practice living in your presence, and I want to have the mindset of Christ, and I want to know, God, even when it seems like, Lord, have you departed? Lord, have you forgotten me? No. But I'm doing some shaping now. I'm doing some conforming. I'm doing some squeezing. 
I'm doing some tough things right now, but my purpose will prevail in your life. Hang on. Hold on. Trust me. Acknowledge me. Walk with me. 2 Timothy 1.9 says God has a greater purpose in saving us. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. I love that. God saves us according to his purpose. God saves us according to his grace. It's the beginning. It's the work of grace. Salvation. I love when people get saved. I love it when people give their lives to Christ. But it's only the beginning. And then you get into the whole sanctification thing. But the whole thing is salvation is the beginning point with the Lord. Because here's what I, I get more joy about. I want to see us all cross the tape of faith and we hit the tag or we hit the tape and we make it into heaven and we're safe and secure in heaven. Amen? Like Glenn, when he runs a hundred miles, a hundred, I'm thinking, I'm crawling. It's, oh, oh, I didn't tell you the good part. Are you ready? Part of this is through the woods at night with caterpillars. Okay. He's going to do this in 32 hours. Do the math on that one. 32 hours. Man ain't right, but awesome. And he's going to have a story that I'm going to tell. Awesome, Glenn. Get me another story. Run 200 next year. But here it is. Great purpose, saving us, beginning, perfect purpose of the Lord, discovering what he has for our life. I, I love this. Some people instinctively, instinctively know their priorities and some don't. But listen to the Quay County Sun newspaper in June 1978, Ricky, the year after we graduated. A farmer with 160 irrigated acres wants marriage-minded woman with tractor. When replying, please show picture of tractor. <laughs> that man had some faith, didn't he? I mean, I just say, like, I love that. Really, that's great, man. I mean, like, show me the picture of the girl. Like, show me the tractor. The tractor's got purpose. The wife's got purpose too. And and and, and the next page I read. Man gets run over by a tractor. No, no, he didn't. I don't know. This is before social media. We didn't have the internet in 1978. You remember that? Y'all remember when there was dial-up? Remember when it came on and we had dial-up? Some of you, I just demonized you. You went, oh, dial-up. All right, I just want to know. Teenagers, how many of you ever experienced dial-up? Uh, you're not a teenager, Chrissy. How many? <laughs> you're awesome. How many of you teenagers, how many of you teenagers experienced dial-up? Yeah, that's what I thought. None. How many of us old feel like old geezers now? Look around. Look at all the people raising their hands. Huh? Dial up. What's that? All right, go on. Here we go. I just made everybody mad. What's your priorities in life, okay? This is too fun. So I'm, I'm, I'm moving through this because basically we want to have the priority of Christ. And we want him to be our purpose. And we want to set our mind on things above, not on earthly things, as Colossians uh, 3, 2. But look at this, this fifth one. Jesus' purpose was preaching. You say, what was the purpose of Jesus? When he was in Capernaum, when he was in the villages, it must have been healing. Healing was part of the ministry of Jesus. It must have been this. No, that was part of it. You know what the purpose of Jesus was? The purpose of Jesus was one thing. It was very clear. Preaching. Preaching was the purpose of Christ. The proclamation of the kingdom of God. I want you to open your Bibles, because I've been giving you all these verses, but I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 4. Will you turn over there with me? Verses 42 through 44. And at daybreak, 
Jesus went out to a solitary place, and the people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them because they did not want health insurance, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying, okay, I'm just kind of getting it into the vernacular of the day, okay? They, they didn't want health insurance. They wanted Jesus to heal them. And here's what he says. But he said, being Jesus, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that that is why i am sent and he kept on preaching in the synagogues of judea you're saying what was the purpose of jesus to preach the kingdom to preach the kingdom of light to preach the kingdom of his father and these people sought him they came after him and they needed something but jesus says no this very purpose this very intent this is why i am here I'm here to redeem you, but I'm here to preach my Father's kingdom. And I go, man, Jesus, you're clear. And they're trying to get you to do something else. But Jesus did not vary from the kingdom. And let me give you a sixth one that's not in there, but you have to write it down. God's purpose for you and me is to share our life message. God's purpose for you and me is to share our life message. It's simply this. It's to share the gospel of Jesus. It's to share 1 John 5, 10. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony of God in them. That Christ has changed my life, and I must testify to the change of the King. Just last night, I was having a conversation with one of my son-in-laws about the change, the difference of Jesus Christ. And how that is so powerful. And how that powerful, magnetic, drawing witness of Christ is he draws people through you by his Holy Spirit as he works his life in you. And our testimony is how we began a relationship with Jesus, but then how he has changed us. So today, when we break out of this room, I'm praying, could you break out of this huddle, could you break out of this living room and go and testify to the goodness, to the grace, to the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has saved you from your sin, he has delivered you, and he has made you new. He has now made you fit for heaven by his grace, and he will keep you, and he will lead you safely home, the church said. I'm going to testify. I'm going to share Christ. I'm going to share this passion. In Jeremiah 29, it says, Your message burns in my heart and my bones. I cannot keep silent. One translation says, I cannot shut up. That is a great verse for a preacher. It's a fire, God, and I can't stop it. I've got to tell somebody about Christ. I've got to tell somebody about the difference that Jesus is making. Not the difference I'm making. In 2 Peter 3, 9, God does not want anyone to be lost, but he wants all people to change their hearts and their lives. That's over in the New Contemporary Version, or New Century Version, but it says he, he wants to do what? He wants to change our hearts. And as a result, as he changes our hearts, as he transforms our hearts, as he makes our hearts new, our lives are changed. Then we're on display. And Christ is just honored through that. So this whole thing of purpose, I, I want you to just write this down and put it in a box. What is your life purpose? Maybe think about writing a, a purpose statement for your life. I don't think you can do it in an hour or 30 minutes. I mean, you, maybe you could. But just think about it. Man, what is the purpose, the chief end of my life? What is it that I want to do? One, one of mine, because uh, I have a hard time just narrowing it down, is just, my life purpose is to live, to live and to mentor an authentic, adventurous, spiritual life. 
to just uh, be contagious, to be like Christ, to be a catalyst for the kingdom of God. God, work in my heart. Lord, give me breath. Give me a voice to speak for the excellent name of Jesus. And I'm convinced now more than ever before of all the years I've walked with Jesus, my voice needs to be heard. But your voice needs to be heard today in a culture that's becoming very anti-Christian. And the church said, and the church said, we don't live in a Christian culture anymore, guys. We might be in the Bible Belt, but the Bible Belt's, the belt's been pulled off. It's in trouble. The belt is all wore out. I'm having discussions with people. I'm thinking, really? You really believe that? You've really read this book? And let me tell you the propaganda that's come from hell. I, I just got to say this and I got to quit. There's debate now in seminaries and across the country people are saying, why should we adhere to a book that is 2,000 plus years old? I go because this is the authoritative, infallible word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? This is God's word. That's all I got. And I do, I do this unapologetically. And yet I'm watching people going, well, I don't know. Might, I don't think Jesus really meant that. I have never read in my Bible, Jesus was just kidding. And I know y'all looking at me like, man, what is he amped up on? No sleep. No, but here, here's the deal. Man, I love God's Word. And I want y'all to love God's Word. But I want you to love the God of the Word more than you love the Word. And the Word is Him. Just love Him. And we're going to be witnesses for Christ. And we're going to be people of purpose. You know what? I'm just going to end it right there. Don't even come back to the PN. I'm going to give you a break. You know what? Some of you are saying, man, my goodness, what's wrong with him? Well, I'm sweating. I'm tired. I, I think I've given you something to chew on today. How about you, church? I've given you a few scriptures. I've given you some insight. I gave you a few stories. Talked about a processionary caterpillar. You got to come to church to learn about that. At the end of the day, I want you to walk out and go, I love Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I love your house. I love your people. And I love your word. And I'm grateful for the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ that redeems me from the pit and my friends when we trust our faith completely in him. Lord, today, give a young person in this room or some person in here a desire for Jesus. May they cry out in faith to repent, turn from sin, and they say, Jesus, meet me this morning right here in my chair. Save me. Change me. Change my life today, Jesus. I drive a spiritual state today. Jesus is my Lord. I believe in my heart that, God, you raised Christ from the dead, and I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord of my life. If you did that now, come share it with me. Be bold. Take your first step. I am not intimidating. Just come to me and say, I pray to receive Christ. On Easter Sunday, I believe we're having baptism. That'd be an awesome day to make a declaration of Jesus Christ publicly in baptism waters. Go in the peace of Christ. Amen. Now as you leave, pray for Kelly and pray for Glenn. And Gideon is home with his mom and dad. Hey, we're done. Quit looking. Let's go.